I told one of the drugs on the uh, And I ran upstairs, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I am so out of shape. Just running up the stairs will do it for you? Bingo. Oh, God. <laughs> Is is this uh, is this what creeping closer to forty does to someone? <laughs> yep, yep, and, and just never taking care of yourself. Like, oh, okay. You know, I've, you know, I, I, I haven't been into a real gym in a real gym um, regimen since high school. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I never uh, never got into it. Never okay. got into the gym. Never really needed it. You know, I'm a svelte guy anyway. I don't know how I've gotten so lucky, but um, yeah, I, I don't think it looks like I work out, but it certainly looks like I don't need to. <laughs> I get it. I get you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm the same way. I'm I'm a slender fellow. Yeah. Uh, not not a slender man. Um, <laughs> I I do not kidnap teenagers in the woods and tell them to kill each other. I refuse these allegations. Uh, but I I don't know. I don't look like I work out by any means. Yeah. What's your? Would you go once a week or do you go I mean, regularly? I mean. Uh, you know. Well, uh, pre-pandemic, right. I, I went a couple of times a week. Um, I haven't been inside a gym since March, maybe February. Yeah, I, this, I just, all, this all I just seems like humble yet. bragging, but you seem you seem to be a guy like me that can literally eat whatever you want, and nothing will ever happen to you. Uh, the years prior, yes, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm turning 27 or turning 28 in a couple of months, yeah. and I'm noticing that is. Uh, slowing down and very soon <laughs> that is not going to be the case anymore i oh will, yeah yeah i will definitely look and feel like i just ate taco <laughs> bell well let me tell so that uh, it's interesting you mentioned 28 because like that's i distinctly remember that's when i started noticing like a little dad bod developing oh no um, <laughs> yeah just a little pudge i'm like wow i didn't used to be <laughs> kind of pudgy and like i put on but let me just tell you just from experience you're just going to reach another plateau and you'll be comfortable with that You'll look probably like me, and okay. you'll go, "Oh, that's that's technically still pretty, pretty <laughs> skinny. I'm still a slender man," uh, and and you'll be comfortable with that, and then you'll keep eating whatever you want, and you'll never, yeah. If if we have the same kind, it seems like we kind of have maybe the same metabolism because yeah, I was like 110 all the way through high school, and then in college I put on a little bit more, and then definitely. You know, in my late twenties, I, I reached, like I said, another plateau, and I'm not. Call, I'm calling it a plateau because I got better. You know, <laughs> what I'm is, not calling it another rock bottom. <laughs> do, do you do you mind me asking what do you weigh now? You know, I haven't weighed myself in a while, but I think I hover around like 175, 180, something like that. Okay, see, I, yeah. I, I think uh, my my added height on, yes. uh, over you uh, adds a few pounds. I I hover around like one eighty five. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone above like 192, um, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of afraid to weigh myself right now. <laughs> I, I I feel like once I once I hit that 200, uh, that's gonna be like okay, I need to make a change. You know, that's a milestone. Yeah, if I ever, I remember like living down in Mississippi, like I, I the the food down there is just absolutely amazing. That's really <laughs> when I started packing on the pounds. And B, we'd go out for like a giant 4,000 calorie meal after the show, oh, like man. almost every single day, oh. like four out of five days. God. We'd go and have like gigantic cheeseburgers and just, you know, we'd go to some amazing <laughs> restaurant somewhere. Um, and yeah, and that's when I really, that's when I started noticing the pudge. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we get going? Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. 
And today we will be talking about The Pool Guy, Season 7, Episode 8. But before that, we did have some homework and trivia and tidbits and stuff from The Secret Code, which was uh, the previous episode. And let me pull those up. Um, so the first thing, the first bit of homework that we had that we were interested in was, again, delving into the history of the ATM, specifically in the 1990s, and why Jerry's observational bit about, oh, they got us, they got us using the cash machines, don't they? Um, which is, that's <laughs> not my Seinfeld. They got us using the cash machines. Have you seen these things? What was that uh, first impression you did? <laughs> it was just normal, like, stand-up hack. Uh, uh, yeah. They got us using these gas machines, don't they? Uh. It was generic stand-up hack. <laughs> it was it was an impression of somebody doing an impression of Jerry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I found this uh, in uh, this article in the Atlantic called a brief a brief history of the ATM. I won't read the whole thing, but this article is from 2015, and they said despite innovations in modular manufacturing, so it was easier to make them, uh, easier to connect all the accounts so like one of the early problems was you could take money out and then they find out later you didn't have it in your account and then i guess you you'd be gone with the wind or whatever reduction in service costs atms were, were still a huge capital investment up until uh and one reason is the use of de- dedicated phone lines so they had to like literally connect to a you know an old old style modem limited them to bank branches or high volume non-bank locations like train stations or airports This limitation was finally lifted in the 1990s with the advent of digital telephones and the adoption of the Windows operating system. So all the ATMs, I guess, started running on Windows and uh, digital telephones made it easier for them to connect. And so that's when independent ATMs entered the market. Like, So you could just be a dude. Like, Ted, you could own your own ATM and put it anywhere and charge whatever service fee you want. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) And when that came around, that's in the 90s when that came around, that's why ATMs like really exploded. The independent ATM deployers. <laughs> I'm gonna make yeah. my service fee six dollars just for checking your balance. I mean, I've been to those ATMs. You know, you're oh, in a crunch. You're, you're, all your friends are at a bar that's cash only, and you're and they're like, yeah, we got one over there. We got a we got a Tedco ATM. I'm like, <laughs> oh damn it! So Ted charges me six bucks. My bank charges me six bucks. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, th- that was that was the '90s, baby. Uh, yeah, so that's why they took off in, in the '90s. But why? Do Jerry and George have five letter pins? George's is Bosco. Jerry's is Jorel. Um, that's without the dash. Maybe he yeah. even puts the dash in there. <laughs> so he may have a six digit pin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the international standard <laughs> for financial services pin management is called oh ISO 9564 1. So even that's a five digit with a dash in the middle. <laughs> um, and so that allows for pins from four up to 12 digits, but recommends oh. that for usability reasons, the card issue not assign a pin longer than six. Uh, so they can fit 12. I guess that's just like forward thinking. Like, gosh, if we need a, uh, you know, a trillion pins, I guess we better have uh, enough, you know, so we don't run into a Y2K situation yeah, they, where we run they out really, of uh, They really future-proof that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> uh, the inventor of the ATM, John Shepard Barron, had at first envisioned a six-digit numeric code, but his wife could only remember four digits, and that became the most commonly used length in many places, although banks in Switzerland and a lot of other countries still require, I guess, a six-digit pin. Okay, okay. Yeah, so not f- still not five, but still. Um, and then I found a couple of... So this has been a, a big discussion, as you might imagine, every so often on the Seinfeld subreddit where I go for answers sometimes, because people are like, why is George's 
not only a word, but also five numbers. And uh, so here's a random Redditor from five years ago that said, it used to be an option back in the day. As a result, I still remember the password for a credit card I canceled 20 years ago. Uh, another one said, most American banks also support five digits. I know Bank of America let me set my own five-digit pin back in 2008. So there's a couple of people who remember something like that. But again, you and I who have had ATMs, they've been around your whole life. But yeah. for me, anytime I've needed cash, I've I've had them available. And I, I've, I've always been just four digits, pretty much assigned by the bank. I think I could change it later, but mm-hmm. uh, I never did. So, and, and then a lot of people pointed out this plot hole too, which I didn't pick up on. If George had just given his five-digit pin in number form, which is probably 26... 726 BOSCO. Peterman probably never would have figured out George's part in his mom's final moments and blamed him for his death or her death, I mean. Mm. Yeah, if George would have just said, oh, it's a 26726 instead of Bosco, no one would have known. <laughs> uh, but that also would have ha- required George to know what it was numerically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it would have made the episode pointless. Exactly. (laughs) And the comedy's gone. I can't believe, and also I'm totally not surprised, that the how common four-digit pins are comes down to the guy's wife could only remember four numbers. I know. And and why does that Good like Lord. smell why does that smell of the patriarchy too? You know, I'm <laughs> it like, really why does. It, it's like why get, does it have to be his load, wife? Get a load of her. She can only remember four <laughs> numbers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's what it, it like That's well, what it comes we down wanted to. more. Yeah. We, I wanted six, but dumb women can only remember four. Jesus. <laughs> That's, I guess that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> well, we better make sure dumb women can use this. You know, God their intelligence isn't, isn't where the male is. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to know about Fred Yerkes, the uh, the character actor that played. Um, well, the, the actor's name is Fred Stoller, and he played Fred Yerkes, uh, which is a great name. And it's actually the name of another Seinfeld staffer that they liked so much. They just gave him that name. Uh, and I said... Ted, you were like, oh, I recognize him from somewhere. And I was like, yeah, he's one of those guys that's been in everything. And I was like, I guarantee. OK, I'll, I'll just get to this later. But I can't believe how right I was. All right. Uh, he's an American stand up actor, author, writer, voice artist. He uh, is maybe most known by for playing Gerard in Everybody Loves Raymond. Ray and Robert's annoying, unintelligent and hypochondrial cousin. Uh, I never watched the show, but I know it was huge. He is also and it's great how. Like they found three guys who are not related who couldn't be more alike. You know, the guys that play Ray and Robert. <laughs> but then this guy, Fred, totally looks like one of their cousins. You yeah. Know? Uh, it's almost like he birthed himself into the role. It's like, come on, I look like the guys. I sound like the guys. You got to cast me. <laughs> like, he's right. <laughs> um, he's also the voice of Stanley in the open se- season series. Uh, Fred the Squirrel in the Penguins of Madagascar. Chuck the Evil Sandwich. Making Guy in Word Girl. Jimbo and Disney Junior's Mickey and the Roadster Racers, Rusty the Monkey Wrench on Disney Junior's Handy Manny. Uh, He also wrote a couple of episodes on Seinfeld, The Soup, which was, um, I believe, oh yeah, was the was in this. Oh no, that was the uh, the Banya episode. Uh, I think it was The Soup, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And he also wrote the Kramer Chimpanzee subplot of The Face Painter. Okay, jeez. Yeah, I know. Uh, and in 2012, he wrote a successful ebook called My Seinfeld Year, in which he chronicled his experiences after being hired as a new staff writer. That sounds pretty good. He was in Dumb and Dumber as Anxious Man at Phone. Do you remember, like, one of the bad guys <laughs> is on a payphone, and the guy's like, excuse me, you've been in there a long time. You oh, know, my God. Yeah, that's him. Uh, he plays a chemistry teacher in Joe Dirt. He was on Friends. Yes. Just like a lot of... You remember him from Friends? I don't remember what no, he did No, I there. Remember, from, remember him from Joe Dirt. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a good one. Um, and just like I'm noticing a trend when we look up character actors, every character actor that's been on Seinfeld also was on Scrubs. And so Fred Stoller definitely on Scrubs <laughs> as well. There's a huge crossover of Seinfeld actors being on Scrubs. I don't know why it happened. Bob's Burgers, he did a voice. And Ted, let me just run down his credits that are, are of Disney Channel shows. Oh, God. Okay. And some of these might be Nickelodeon because, you know, my line is blurry there. Uh, in 2004. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll see if I can be the dividing line. I, I'll, I'll see if I can go like Disney, Nickelodeon. I bet you. I, I'm sure you can. But I bet this is where you know him from. He was Mr. Lowe on Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. You said he was a principal. Is that what you were thinking? Uh, oh, my God. No, I remember him as that character, but he looks totally different. Oh, um, really? I, oh my God. Yeah. Which that is Nickelodeon, by the way. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Now I'm kind of picturing it. <laughs> yeah. He had a good run, eight whole episodes of, of that show. Uh, but he wasn't a principal because you were like, I think he was a principal. No, he, he's a teacher okay. in that. Okay. Um, I think he was the on, home ec teacher, if I'm, if I'm uh, not mistaken. <laughs> uh, he was on one episode of Drake and Josh in 2005 as Lenny Spodnik. Okay. Nickelodeon. Um, but he was, don't remember yeah. him in that. He was. Okay. So one of the things I said, you were like, uh, I think you mentioned Disney. And I was like, oh, I can guarantee you he was on a Disney show. Obviously, he was on a ton. But I specifically mentioned like, you know, he's an angry guy in lobby. Like, hey, somebody help me here. And I was like, and then Zach and Cody tie his shoelaces together. He was on an episode of Zach and Cody. Did they tie his shoelaces together? <laughs> I, went, I didn't go back and watch. Oh, he damn. Was on, he was on one episode in 2006, but I can't believe, it, you know, my joke was not a joke. <laughs> I guess there what, is truth to every joke. If you if you end up finding the exact season and episode, <laughs> we have Disney Plus. I'll look it up. Okay, I'll, I'll look. I'll try and see one episode in 06, but I can't believe how right I was. He was also in Corey in the House, one episode in 2007. He was on Shake It Up in 2011, an episode of that. I know we're past your sort of mm -hmm. prime of, of watching, but um, so he played Sensei Ira on Shake It Up. Oh. He was on <laughs> eight episodes of Wizards of Waverly Place as Dexter slash Gorog. Uh, from 2010 to 2012, so another great episode, eight episode run. Hmm. And then um, in 2015, he played Herb on one episode of KC Undercover. Okay, uh, yeah. so, some of those later ones. Uh, I mean, I, I know uh, everything other than KC Undercover was Disney. After the ones that I mentioned, I don't know what KC Undercover was on. I I feel like that's Disney. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think once one if you, sometimes if you hover over the title on Wikipedia, it pulls it up and it'll tell you like it was a show on Disney or whatever. So I think that was. I think I only copied, tried copying the Disney ones, um, but I know a few Nickelodeon ones snuck in there. <laughs> just one. Yeah. So the dude. I mean, he just has. I mean, he's just a great character. Like adults think he's funny, and he's just funny to kids too because he's like kind of a a flailing cartoony guy. You know, I I, I like that. Uh, we also wanted to know about the mom who, uh, Jay Peterman's mom, the actress who played Jay Peterman's mom. Her name is Ellen Rose Albertini Dow, and she was born in 1913. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And she's a Pennsylvania girl. She was born over near Philly, uh, about 90 miles northwest of Philly. Uh, she died in 2015 at the age of 101. Wow. Oh, my I know. gosh. Yeah. Um, and so I guess she was like 82 in this episode, 1913 to 95. Yeah, that's that's right. That that's sounds amazing. sounds about right. Yeah, jeez. Jeez. Yeah, uh, she portrayed feisty old ladies and is best known as the rapping grandmother Rosie in the Wedding Singer, which I mentioned, mm -hmm. performing rappers' delight. 
Uh, she was also in Wedding Crashers. Uh, she was in Road Trip. Ted, she was in Ready to Rumble. You got to love that movie, right? I've never seen Ready to Rumble. Oh, man. It looks right up your alley. <laughs> like a pro wrestling comedy. Yeah, I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, David Arquette's in it. And um, she's in Walk Like... Oh, man. Did you ever... You, I guarantee you've never seen this movie. Because it's... Even for 80s movies, aficionados, it's obscure. Do you remember Walk Like a Man with Christopher Lloyd and Howie Mandel? No. Oh, my gosh. It's absolutely. So Howie Mandel plays a kid who is raised by wolves because he falls off his family's uh, his family. Anyway, on some trip, he, he like fell and he's raised by wolves. And Christopher Lloyd is his brother. And Christopher Lloyd grew up rich and his family is very rich. And then Howie Mandel is discovered as an heir to this guy. And so he's worried he's going to have to like split his parents fortune with him. And it's just and he tries to reenter society. It's absolutely nuts. As far as plot, it's as crazy as it sounds. My my sister and I loved it when we were growing up. It was one of our favorite movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Of course, uh, Ellen was on Scrubs. She played Karen Walker's mother-in-law, Sylvia, on Will and & Grace. And here's her uh, Disney Channel bona fides, Ted. She was on one episode of Hannah Montana in 2006 uh, as Catherine McCord in the episode Dead It Be, uh, season, <laughs> season one, episode 20. Okay. I have no <laughs> recollection of this. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned David Arquette already, and I just happened to click this guy's name when I recognized oh boy. Uh, I recognized his last name. And I was like, what? <laughs> Leap and Larry was played by Louis Arquette. And I was like, I wonder if, well, sure enough, he's the patriarch of the Arquette family dynasty. Uh, Arquette family acting dynasty. Rosanna, Patricia, Alexis, David. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was like, I can't believe it. Leap and Larry um, also played J.D. Pickett on the television series The Waltons. From 1978 to 1981, but um, I guess I would, I didn't, you know, I, I haven't seen a ton of stuff. I recognize some of his credits, like, oh, yeah, that and and that, but I mean, I'm like, wow, he was a bunch of, he has a bunch of famous kids. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I found this on the Wikipedia page, and this goes back to the Peter Dinklage trivia bit about him being the voice on the phone or whatever, because I don't know where this first popped up, but it seems like lots of pages reference it but no one ever sources it um evidently it came from the director's commentary or the dvd commentary but um we don't we don't have access to that but kramer was scripted so instead of i looked up manjamba or manchamba or whatever it is some people spell it manjamba and he was scripted to call jerry the letter s the number one and then the word banga s1 banga which is a fictional player name from a soccer video game published by sega but Michael Richards tripped over the name and said Monjamba instead. And the <laughs> writers and directors decided not to demand another take since S1 Banga was an inside joke and they were confident viewers would find Richards' version just as funny. So I, I tried to, you figure like, oh, I bet I can search that character name and the video game will pop up. No, all that comes up is this tidbit on a million different pages. Oh my God. So you, yeah. can, you can't even find the video game that S1 Banga was in. No. Oh, no, you, you figure that would come up. Like I, I just searched S1 Banga and Sega and soccer, and, and all that comes up is Kramer was scripted to call Jerry. Blah blah. Like just this, like copy Jesus. and paste it on a million pages. Yeah. So I I would love to listen to the DVD commentary and figure out if anybody has access to that. Please please let us know what the deal with that is and how you pronounce it. Is it S1 Banga or you got that right? S1 Banga. What that wouldn't make, <laughs> or is it like C Banga? Do you say the one like an I? I or or an L Slabanga? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it, it, it's really weird. Uh, we wanted to dive a little into Bosco chocolate syrup as well. 
uh, first produced in 1928 in New Jersey. The Skull Company bought manufacturing rights uh, to Bosco <laughs> when it was invented. And their most famous product was Bosco Coffee, B-O-S-C-U-L. So they gave the new product uh, the name Bosco to sort of marry them together. Uh, known in the, This is awesome. It wasn't called Bosco Chocolate Syrup in the 50s and 60s. It was called Bosco Milk Amplifier. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. Isn't that awesome? Bosco Milk <laughs> Amplifier. Make your milk metal as fuck. Get amped. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. yeah, and it was heavily advertised, as you might imagine, on children's shows cartoon and in live action sequences an important feature of many of the television advertisements was the jingle i love bosco i don't know the jingle that's why i just said it but if you if you were around back then you probably remember how it goes but i don't i should have watched some old commercials but i didn't i love bosco imagine just the commercials just ending with someone like monotone recording just like i love bosco and I that- love Bosco. <laughs> Everybody knows that jingle. There's a j- jingle in, and then the music fades out. It's just, <laughs> I love Bosco. Uh, Bosco ads also often featured the Bosco Chiller Diller recipe, which according to a user named Dwangle on <laughs> CityData.com San Antonio message board posting in 2010 <laughs> was Bosco Milk 7-Up and Ice. What? Oh, ew. I would venture to say, yeah, Seven Up is probably incorrect because that, I don't know. I although citrus and chocolate aren't completely conflicting tastes. Hmm. Um. I, but I venture to say maybe they misremember it as just seltzer or something unflavored that was also bubbly. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. That that's, that seems like a very weird. I, I I'm trying to picture in my head how that would taste. I I guess it would just be like. The egg cream, but with a little more, like, lemony-limey, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Bosco TV and radio ads also featured the Bosco Nova song and dance set to a Bossa Nova beat. Again, can't sing it, don't know it. Uh, Let's see. As of 2015, Bosco is still produced in several flavors. In addition to the original chocolate, you got your strawberry, uh, you got your sea salt caramel, you got fudge brownie, you got sugar-free, and you got mocha, which was added in 2012, replacing berry blue. Hmm. Yeah, and if you are filming a uh, moderately budgeted black and white horror movie, feel free to use Bosco chocolate syrup as fake blood because that's what Alfred Hitchcock did in Psycho during the shower scene, and that's what George A. Romero did, a great Pittsburgh legend, when he filmed Night of the Living Dead in 1968. Hell yeah. Yeah, so I guess it looks like fake blood in black and white. The inspiration for the Elaine Fred plot was Jerry Seinfeld's practice, which I think everybody should start doing because I hate when I screw this up. Jerry always says, nice to see you instead of nice to meet you. And Jerry told the writers that nice to see you is acceptable even if you've never met the other person before, but nice to meet you is offensive if you've already met. Hmm. Yeah, I love that because I always screw it up. I screw that up so much. I'm introduced to some like Sarah will introduce me to somebody. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. And they're like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> well, now I'm the asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I never even thought of doing that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. Oh, nice. Nice to see you. Yeah, I like that. In this episode, Jay Peterman's complete first name is revealed. I, I kind of just breezed past this because because he sort of breezed past it. But uh, do, you, do you remember what it is? No, it's Jacopo. Oh, God, that's right. He says, Mama, it's me, Jacopo. I'm here for you, Mama. I guess maybe I thought it was a, a motherly nickname or something. I don't know. But 
it, it just more explicitly differentiates him from the J. Peterman Company's real-life founder, John Peterman. Uh, and Berg and Schaefer named the character after their local pizzeria, Jacopo's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Seinfeld writer Spike Ferriston had a police scanner, and the Seinfeld crew enjoyed listening to the conversations and eventually acquired their own for the offices, inspiring this episode's Kramer storyline. Uh, the scenes at the fire station were filmed on location. I don't know whether that means actually Hook and Ladder 8 or a different fire, but they, they were definitely somewhere else. Uh, the fire truck Kramer rides wouldn't fit on the show's soundstage, so the crew put it on a New York street with a large blue screen suspended behind Michael Richards, whose body movements combined with the inserted moving background to create the illusion that the fire truck was in motion. <laughs> a few shots from the scene were filmed on location by a second unit with Michael Richards' stunt double actually riding a moving fire truck. You know, I think there are some shots like some actual New York City street shots, and they always have to get a, a Michael Richards double mm -hmm. for that. So we didn't notice. Normally, that's very obvious, <laughs> but this time it wasn't. Oh, and uh, interesting to mention, too, George's love of Bosco was not ruined by the worst date of his life with Elaine's friend, Leslie. Do you remember this? I don't know if I do. So when, Leslie was, when was the, this? Performance, the performance artist that poured Bosco all over George's red shirt, ruining it during one of her shows, and he plots his revenge in The Baby Shower, Season 2, Episode 10. And he tells Jerry, no, I'm going to hold it under her nose so she can smell the scent of stale Bosco that I had to live with for three years, and I'm going to say, remember this shirt, baby? Well, now it's payback time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. <laughs> you don't remember the like so he you know he, um they're throwing a baby shower in jerry's apartment and he wants to go over there and show her the shirt that oh, she ruined yeah yeah he still wears okay. under sweaters and stuff yeah That's yeah right. it's got a big brown stain on it yeah. oh my god that was season two uh yeah yeah wow all right and that was bosco the first bosco reference on seinfeld uh, yeah if he <laughs> I, I wonder like how he got back to loving bosco then i know i know might turn you off it but I guess it's just too good. And uh, I guess that's pretty much it. All right. Any other, like, newsworthy bits or anything? No, but I, I did see that we, we got a lot of tweets from the public. I don't know if we want to go over some of those in Newman's Mail Sack. I mean, some of it is stuff we've kind of already covered. But, oh, there is an important – wait, did we talk about that last week, about that joke that we completely missed in the Soup Nazi uh, I'm about not, why he's going to Argentina. Did we mention that last uh, week? I, I'm not sure if we did or not, but uh, I don't think on, we did. On, on that same note, we did get a lot of feedback, uh, kind of like pointing out a lot of the same stuff from um, from multiple people. So I'll, I'll just give shout outs to all the people: uh, Kate Steinberg, John Conley, and Alex Luber. Um, th thank you guys for your for your input on the Soup Nazi. Um, but one of the things uh, I, I think you're thinking about is why why he fled to Argentina. Is that it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's because a lot of Nazi war criminals fled to Argentina, you know, fled to South America uh, after World War II to avoid uh, prosecution. And uh, one of my friends had a theory that I, uh, I always kind of I put a lot of stock in. He um, he said it's why Mexico makes such great German beers as they all went to Mexico and they started breweries. And I was like, that's really true. Like Mexican lagers are, you know, legendary. And my buddy was like, yeah, I think they're all made by Nazi war criminals. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully this has been passed down to non-Nazis, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting theory, but it's a joke that totally went over my head. I mean, it, 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 I, it, it's going to yeah. be one of those things that like the owner of the brewery is like, yeah, grandpa was a little angry, but I wouldn't say he was a Nazi. <laughs> and then he like goes through his trunk and finds like swastikas. He's like, oh, no, oh, grandpa no. was a Nazi. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, Kay tweeted us a couple times about um, going, to, having been to the soup not to hot soup international oh, yes. it was called and you know she was like it was an accurate description but the soup was really good and she said that sometimes you'd walk away and look in your bag and there'd be an apple and a piece of bread or Ooh. sometimes just the bread the apple was like getting the golden ticket <laughs> <laughs> oh and uh, one more little bit of news i forgot about this uh jason alexander is still on cameo and he has upped his price ted probably because i heard you talking shit about how 650 was too expensive and he was like well you know what how about a thousand dollars now <sighs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, did you see that? I, I, I don't yeah. know what made me go check. Um <laughs> You you get the uh you get the Google alerts f- set up for Jason Alexander cameo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I must. Um but yeah, so now it's a thousand bucks and it's still a Biden front fundraiser, but still, like, geez. Wow. And I think that's about it. All right. Uh, so if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, we like to do our homework the week after. And uh, d- despite the last, oh, God, almost half hour of this episode being all homework, uh, I-, I swear, we are not a research-heavy <laughs> show. Uh, if you have never listened to us before, um, I have never seen these episodes before. Uh, Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us a tweet at nohugging or an email, nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, rather. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and we will send you an awesome No Hugging, No Learning holographic sticker. Uh, just please send us an email to the, the Twitter or the email. Or send us a DM to the Twitter or an email to the email. Uh, <laughs> if you have sent us one before and I, you have not received your sticker yet, please feel free to send another email or another dm just give me uh, a kick in the ass to like actually get these out into the mail um because i i forget very easily uh and that that's my bad that being said season seven episode eight the pool guy original air date november 16th 1995 i was two years 10 months and 27 days old and tim if you count this episode and every other episode we have left we have 59 episodes until we become a us just us talking about our gym regimens <laughs> yes we become to work out yes podcast. We, 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 <laughs> we 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 become a gym advice podcast from people <laughs> who don't go to the gym yes <laughs> and diet advice from people who eat garbage yes like of course go eat mcdonald's <laughs> for a fourth day in a row who's gonna stop you yes i've always said i, I used to say like the tim murphy diet plan is like skip breakfast have 9,000 calories for lunch and then a sensible dinner, uh, which my wife, you know, usually is in charge of like, like what we eat for dinner. And so she doesn't eat garbage. <laughs> so I usually eat very well for dinner, at least healthy, I mean. And uh, it's lunch where I splurge on garbage. So there you go. There's a little preview. Sick. That's our teaser. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you are looking at TV Guide the night of November 16th, 1995, you are going to see the pool man at Jerry's Health Club wants to be his best friend. Hmm, I don't dislike it. We'll see if we can make it better, though, at the end. I think I can finally start saying we start with a stand-up bit as usual. Because it's been, uh, you know, at least seven episodes now. It's been a couple episodes now, yeah. (laughs) I I think it's been, uh, I I think we went the first two episodes of season seven, uh, just kind of cutting into the scene. Uh, So this is the sixth episode in a row, then, with a stand-up scene. 
There you go. So you might as uh, well you might as well get a stand up scene as usual out of your system, though. <laughs> I can't. I, 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 I. It's been killing me not to be able to say it. <laughs> uh, and this one is about. Oh my gosh! Count the references that have aged like milk. Oh uh, good lord! Yeah. When did the tic tac toe become the pound sign? <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, good and then lord. he also throws in. Um, I wish they'd call it Archie's head, like, and then push Archie's head. And I was like, "What the fuck is he talking?" I, I don't about? even, I don't even get that one. So I just googled it, and Archie, the back of his head is like sort of texturized with just some hash marks. Oh my god! And so you see the, you see the pound sign. Would anybody there. around that time even get that joke? Because that seems I'm, like such a deep cut. Can't be, yeah. Couldn't be. Good it was already Lord. like 40 years old by the time he said it. Like all of his great pop culture references. <laughs> uh, like, I okay, I'll just go out and say this. How did Jerry Seinfeld become such a successful comedian? <laughs> You're questioning everything now? I'm questioning everything. With a reference like this in 95? <laughs> I guess the good, well, it was, it was sort of like a riff more than a punchline, you know? I think he moved on pretty quickly. He didn't like... Hold for standing ovation after I say Archie's head. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's one of those things you say and just kind of move on. But I I think people were just as clueless as we are now in 95 about Archie's head. Oh, Lord. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then he talks about the redial button. And that's even pretty out of date as well. Using having to use a redial button. Why do they use this? This is annoying or or whatever. I don't know. Um, But also, do you use that pound sign or i mean what do you call that now ted since you're a you know a a millennial i mean if i'm on the phone it's the pound sign uh if because that's what like even all like automated voice systems call it uh but i mean uh, popular internet culture dictates it's the hashtag yeah yeah Uh, the hashtag symbol yeah Um, and i like i'll i'll like hear uh, some of our sales reps call it a pound sign whenever they're talking about like a promoted oh, no. hashtag, and I'm like, oh, no. you could not sound more out of touch. I hope these people do not spend money with you. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, we got a special pound sign that's trending. <laughs> <laughs> do you use it when you have to when you don't want to write the word number? Uh, sometimes I will. Yeah, not often, that's... but sometimes I will. I use it a lot for that. Like, oh, what's the you know the number or number one or number two or whatever. It is evolving, but it's it's not the tic tac toe and it's the pound sign. <laughs> and Jerry's upset. It's certainly not Archie's head. Get the <laughs> fuck out, Jerry. So up in Jerry's apartment, George and Jerry are talking there, and we enter into one of these conversations that we sometimes get into. Uh, who would win in a fight? And Jerry says, "I think it's obvious." And George says, "Yeah, me too." Uh, <laughs> Elaine comes in. And they pose a question to her. I love Jerry's little digs here. Uh, gorgeous George. He calls him Gorgeous George, uh, which, of course, is an old wrestling reference. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, um, just a fight. Mano y baldo. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and Elaine says, oh, George. And Jerry's like, what? Why? Was like, Without George hesitation. Yeah. 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 George fights dirty. And Jerry's like, what? Well, like, what kind of stuff would you do? And I love George's response here. Oh, you know, pull hair, poke eyes groin stuff he like waves his hand around his crotch when he does groin stuff (laughs) damn uh superman is on the shelf and the fridge by the way as usual uh elaine 
realizes that when nobody will go to this fashion exhibit at the Met with her, she has no female friends. And Kramer, who has come in, says, oh, yeah, you're a man's woman. You hate other women and they hate you. <laughs> Which I don't know how uh, Elaine doesn't take that very well. No, no. <laughs> Why would she? <laughs> I know. Um, George runs out something about Susan. He's like, I wonder if Susan. No, I better just go. I better just go. And, and Kramer, uh, you know emasculates george behind his back <laughs> and jerry suggests that elaine go to the museum with susan and elaine's like oh my gosh that's a no-brainer of course i should be friends with susan uh and kramer says to jerry once elaine leaves that that is trouble because worlds will collide now with george uh at the movies i noticed some great posters on the wall um the american president which is one of my favorite I guess you call it a romantic comedy. It's like a romantic comedy mixed with a political procedural. I don't know. It's uh, it's like really uh, Michael Douglas uh, plays the president and he gets a girlfriend. Then they explore that. But also there's like political stuff going on at the same time. It's uh, I, I love that movie. Seems like uh, a Beyond really Rank, weird mix. It really is. Like I can't. I, that's why I hesitate to call it a political. I mean, I hesitate to call it a romantic comedy, but it is. But it's also like the West Wing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh and 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 it it holds up too. I will say that uh, Beyond Rangoon is up there, and Forget Paris, which is with Billy Crystal, and it, that now that's a romantic comedy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen that way too many times. Uh, I went out with this girl in high school that like loved it. I'm like, this is a movie for like 50 year olds. Why do you like this movie so much? <laughs> um, and Kramer uh, is getting a new number, he tells Jerry. Oh, and I wrote uh, the pound sign. I wrote the hashtag instead of ah, number. He's getting a new number. He's getting um, a new pound. I think that's why I, I went back up and wrote uh, that question, because I wrote that there. And I was like, hey, the pound sign. Uh, yeah, he's getting a new pound sign. And because of chicks, man. Too many chicks know my number. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and they run into Ramon. The pool guy from the gym that Jerry goes to, and they fired him for putting too much chlorine in. And, you know, when he says, I like how the pool is Ramon's identity because he says, like, hey, stay out of the deep end. Like um, it's his catchphrase or something. Yeah, exactly. This, this is the um, first time we've seen Ramon, and he, he has an established catchphrase in his mind. Yeah, like everything is pool references to him. <laughs> um, but I do like Kramer goes, what's in the deep end? <laughs> like he takes it so seriously. <laughs> Over at George's apartment, we get maybe, and I'll tweet this out because I took a, I took a, um, a elder millennial screenshot of it, which means that I used my phone to take a picture of my TV. Oh, God. We get, I think, an actual shot of the hamster. Did you see a really? No, I didn't. The cage? Yeah. It's an amazing shot of the like plastic setup that he has there, but there's like a little white puffball in there that I'm like, it's probably fake, but I think that's the hamster. Oh, my God. No, I didn't even yeah, notice I'll, this. I'll tweet the photo out uh, when this comes out. Uh, Elaine is uh, call. Elaine calls and she's like, hey, can I talk to Susan? And George laughs. He's like, oh, yeah, let me just get her. Yeah, he, he thinks yeah. it's a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> and when he realizes that Elaine is serious, he, he stonewalls. He, he, he tries like not what? handing it off to like, what? Why? What are you doing? He's like, well, what do you what do you want to do that for? <laughs> And by the way, Susan is reading a magazine or a catalog that says on the cover, Christmas 1988. What do you... What? what? Really? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, I guess we couldn't get a new catalog in the, in the shop. In, in the prop department. Yeah. Elaine invites her to the museum and Susan accepts and 
George is upset. George is visibly upset. We get a shot of, interestingly enough, the Embassy One Theater, which is not the Lowe's Paragon that they were standing outside of in the earlier shot. It's a completely different theater. Really? Uh, in, yeah, in Times Square. They're showing The Distinguished Gentleman, another movie that I remember from uh, around this time coming out. My parents <laughs> like d- wouldn't go to the movies a lot, but they went to go see this movie. And I remember my dad thinking it was absolutely hilarious. Another political comedy. Uh, Eddie Murphy gets elected to Congress somehow. And he, Ted, hijinks ensue. Let of me just course, say that. Of course they yeah. do. I, I was wondering why they cut to B-roll of Times Square. I'm, and I'm like, I didn't think this theater was in Times Square. Apparently it is. But I mean, we, <laughs> we, we learn later that it's at 84th and Broadway. It's nowhere near Times Square. Yeah, yeah, that the the Lowe's Paragon at 84th and Broadway, like they've referenced several times, yeah. and this Embassy One is definitely at, at 1560 Broadway. Yeah, and I did a little deep dive on it. It opened in 1925. It then it closed in 1997. So a couple years from now, it was going to be gone. Um, but by the way, this B roll looks like great 70s B roll that we get sometimes. Oh yeah, Seinfeld. God. <laughs> Yeah, like no modern billboards. They're all like Christmas light style, like <laughs> change one bulb at a time. Like it was crazy. In 1998, it became the Times Square Visitor Center uh, until 2014. And then it reopened five years later in 2019 as a soccer store. But on Street View now, there's scaffolding on it. So I can't tell what's there if anything mm. is still open in that location. But yeah, literally, like if you turn around on Street View looking at this address, you're staring at that, those giant bleachers and TKTS and that big pedestrian area. Like, oh, wow. This okay. is in the center of Times Square. It's Jeez. like right there. Yeah. But it's not the theater that they're at. It's just the odd exterior. Like, And they have exterior of the Lincoln Paragon. Like, just show us that. Or the Lowe's Paragon, I mean. Just just use that. <laughs> it was really a weird choice. Uh, but Jerry and Kramer sit in the, uh, go to sit down. And here's where I disagree with Jerry once again as far as seating goes. I disagree that don't sit on the same side of the booth, even with your lover. And also, you don't need a buffer seat at the theater. What are you, homophobic? Like, you know, I agree with him that, like, if we were at my apartment, would we be sitting on the couch next to each other? No. But this is also a crowded movie theater, and the seats are bigger than the seats give you a little enough buffer room. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think so, too. I've never been a fan of, of the buffer seat. I'm fine just sitting next to everybody. That's that's fine. But because they left the buffer seat open, Ramon comes looking for a seat, and he sits right in between Jerry and Kramer, right in the buffer seat, which I think he should have, because that also that theater looked pretty full. It did, like, you can't yeah. have a buffer seat in a like, full theater. There was definitely a seat, like, in between Kramer and the guy sitting, like, close to them. But, I mean, that that's out of Ramon's way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm fine with a buffer seat between you and, and a group that you don't know mm-hmm. but between people that you don't know just just sit next to each other come on yeah like what are you um, gonna do take up take up six seats for three people in a busy yeah, really? theater yeah uh so at jerry's apartment jerry is, was is talking about how ramon just like jerry and george are talking about how ramon just leached onto them all night long and, and eventually jerry got in front of his building and was like ramon i have to go to sleep <laughs> george is is upset that Jerry suggested Elaine call Susan when he finds out that he was the one that made the suggestion and Jerry didn't know the world's colliding theory and George tries to explain it to him. Oh, I, I, I totally like skipped over. I wanted to bring up like Ramon's reasoning for coming up and talking to Jerry. Did, did you catch this? No. What Ramon says when he comes up is, Hey, I took a bunch of napkins. You want some? Oh, <laughs> like, um, you're talking. Wait, you're talking about the later scene when Ramon? No, that that's at the that's at the theater when he sits down. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I got some napkins. <laughs> they don't even have any food. No, they don't. It was like, hey, do you want some napkins? <laughs> oh, cool. A seat. Is anybody sitting here? 
What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, so George tries explaining Jerry. Jerry didn't know the world's colliding theory. Meanwhile, Kramer comes in and his new number, they realize, is 555-3455, which is 555-FILK. And it's so close to 555-FILM that he's getting so many wrong numbers because people are trying to call movie phone. Oh, boy. You never lived with movie phone, Ted? I never called movie phone. <laughs> I'm oh, I'm sure I called movie phone yeah. uh, a few times back in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with how much of a, a movie buff you are, I, I could see you calling movie phone whenever you're like eight, you know? Yeah. J- just like to find out like, oh, guys, th- th- this is playing at this theater. Can we go see it? <laughs> and, and just like n- already knowing the exact time and theater that the movie you wanted to go see is playing at helped your cause of going to see a movie. <laughs> yeah, when my, my my parents got the paper, you know, so that would always have the listings in there. Um, but but if you, you know, if you wanted, if you were in a pinch, you could call was, movie phone. But it definitely wasn't 555 film. I don't know what our local movie phone number was, but I'm, I'm certain it was a nationwide deal I, I might have to put movie phone down was uh, for, uh was movie phone a pay service i don't think no it wasn't because just like we'll learn later there were ads during it mm, okay yeah, there was like local sponsorships and they'd sell little commercials and stuff i think that's how it worked okay. um, but my other frame of reference for movie phone is mr movie phone the actual voice of movie phone that Kramer that you know Kramer tries to do, and then we hear it later on too. Which I wonder if that's the actual Mister Movie Phone, not to not to skip too far ahead. But he would do. He was the movie review guy on Z100 in New York City. They really? get movie reviews every week from Mister Movie Phone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty. I remember Movie Phone popping up. Maybe the website became a thing. I don't know. So for some reason, it, anyway, we'll we'll talk Movie Phone next week a little bit and get a little bit of <laughs> uh, history there. As far as that goes, um, out on the street, Susan and Elaine are getting along great after going to the museum. And Susan Malls telling Elaine something, and Elaine's like, "Oh no, you can tell me. I'll put it in the vault." And she's like, "Oh, the vault." And uh, yeah, so they're just getting along great. Uh, over at Physique Gym, which I almost gave up on trying to find because I couldn't. When I googled Physique Gym in New York City, like literally nothing was coming up, and I almost moved on. And then I saw. 482 on the awning mm. and that unlocked everything so physique gym was at 482 west 43rd street and it's still there but it's now the manhattan plaza health club okay uh, but basically the same awning building looks very similar yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's all the same so uh, in the locker room uh, a couple of other workers at the gym we'll say other pool guys heard about ramon going to the movie with jerry and i absolutely loved these characters i mean <laughs> just they were hilarious from the second Why? they appeared on i thought their their dynamic was so funny they're just like they're so like bright eyed and their smiles are so big and like they're so like one guy is pushed up on another guy and then they're also like pushed up invading jerry's personal space and i love the part where he's like all right well uh oh no we didn't really, jerry's like I, we didn't really go to the movie together we just ran into him there and he's like all right uh I got to go, guys. They're like, to see Ramon? (laughs) I love. And then the camera stays on them for like an extra three seconds. And they're staring blankly, (laughs) smiling into the (laughs) void. Like, like, there's no reason for the camera to be on them that long. It should have cut away, but it doesn't. Like, Jerry has walked away. And they're like, (laughs) Like, they're just staring. Especially the guy behind the main talking guy. He's like, he's even kind of like laughing a little bit. I'm like. This guy, I don't know who these guys are, but I want to watch their sitcom. Like, they just had such a hilarious dynamic. Give them they the just, spinoff. 
they brightened up the screen from the second they were on. I, I loved it. I loved it. Do we see Ramon? <laughs> so over at Jerry's apartment, Elaine and Jerry are talking about the day with Susan. And Jerry, this was a weird bit because he's like, oh, you went uh, shopping for pretty bows and then uh, went back to your apartment, got into bra and panties for a tickle fight. And <laughs> Elaine's like, that's really what you think girls do, isn't it? And Jerry gets all serious. He's like, yes, I do. <laughs> it was funny, but also I was like, it was kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah. How much of it is a joke? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we always talk about the, you know, the realistic nature of their conversations, but like, no one laughs after that. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, this, this this almost wasn't played for comedy. It was uh, (laughs) almost like Jerry kind of going off script. I mean, obviously, it wasn't, but that that's kind of how it felt. You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because like, they should have taken a beat and then like chuckled at each other. Like, ah, that's uh, you know. That, that was funny. That was a funny button on that bit you were doing about what women do, but there's no button. It's just It just sits out there. There's a little bit of Patrick Bateman underneath Jerry. I think that's been obvious, though. He's, he's oh like one God, step yeah. away from, yeah, he's, he's one step away from hatcheting somebody on his couch while they're listening to Huey Lewis. I, I, I think Jerry, the only step separating Jerry from Patrick Bateman is owning the axe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once he buys an axe, he'll be there. It, it's over. He's got a great stereo. He's got the he's got the stereo behind the couch. He's all ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, and George uh, comes in and and he's not happy. Oh no! It, well, Jerry c- tells Elaine that George is not happy. And we get uh, one of these bits we haven't seen in a while. She says, "I don't give a shit." But instead of the word "shit," we hear the door slam. And the, the and timing, the, the timing is kind of off with this. Did Very you catch off. it? It's like yeah. I don't give a shit. And then she touches the door, and yeah. then the door starts to close, and then the door <laughs> latches. Yeah, there was more than enough time to, there was, to say shit in that in between <laughs> the sentence ending and the door slamming. There was so much time just to say it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't give a slam. I, I don't give <laughs> a shh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Kramer comes in, and he's uh, still he's answering his phone now, and he's actually looking up movies for people. <laughs> Uh, he's like, no, 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 that's cool. No, what? Where, where do you want to go? Yeah, it's playing there at uh, eight thirty. Uh, and Cra- and Jerry's like, what are you doing? He's like, I got time. Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah. Uh, and a- Ramon buzzes up, and Jerry's like, oh god, you know this guy. Like, would you hang around for a second to Elaine? Elaine's like, sure. And the second Ramon gets up there, <laughs> Elaine dips. This was incredible. <laughs> Just as soon as Ramon comes in, she's gone. <laughs> Yeah. And Jerry tries leaving too. He's like, all right, well, uh, you know, I, I got some stuff to do. And Ramon's like, oh, awesome. I love stuff. Let's, let's do it. And he starts tagging along with Jerry to do his stuff. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm up for some stuff. I love stuff. Like, <laughs> what? Uh, on the subway later, Jerry finally just has to part ways with Ramon. And Ramon was still talking about a pool, right? Yes. Was he making like pool yeah. talk? <laughs> yeah, he was talking about um he's like, so the po- so the drain was clogged. Yeah. A great story about the clogged pool drain. God. Uh, and Jerry's like, you know what, I I just gotta go. We're, I'm getting off here and uh you know, I like that he says, I, I have three friends I can't handle anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. I felt that a little bit, you know, because you have your core group of friends and then you you have people like every so often that kind of join the group and you're like no nah, it's, it's too many i too many mm, friends yeah <laughs> like, and it's not even that many he's like i have three friends <laughs> <laughs> and ramon thinks it's because he cleans pools that jerry doesn't want to be his friend <laughs> that he doesn't have a prestigious job or whatever 
Uh, and Jerry's like, no, that's not it at all. Uh, over at George's, Susan uh, uses the word, just drops the word vault in a conversation about uh, going out with Elaine. And George is like, well, oh, how, you know, you're talking like her now. I mean, what's going on? Worlds are colliding. Uh, they're going to a movie later. And George uh, is George is getting upset <laughs> about worlds colliding, as he says, talking about himself in the third person. Uh, up at Jerry's apartment, George explains further to Jerry that he will cease to exist. This is one of those great monologues that always ends up in the pantheon of best Seinfeld moment clip shows and stuff. Like there's relationship George and independent George. And, and I like how blankly Jerry is staring at George during this. He's like a child being explained something. He's like, he's like kind of smiling and nodding like, uh-huh. Uh, I love that George. Me too. And he's <laughs> dying. Um, yeah, this was just great. A, a George divided against itself cannot stand. He just throws a lot, so many great lines uh, into this. And I, I and I mean, you, a lot of people probably feel this conversation too because you're different around, you know, your significant other than you are with your friends. You know, it's just true. Mm -hmm. And if Susan would come into the group, I, I like that part too. If relationship George walks through this door, like his his physical movements, like we get a lot of his like stage craft. I feel like yeah. in this monologue by George. Because he's moving around and he's using the space very well. It's like just just so well delivered. And Elaine comes in and he tells her, you're killing independent George. <laughs> they talk about what time they want to go to a movie. And Elaine picks up the phone to call, presumably movie phone. But she misdials and calls 555-FILK. And Kramer answers as Mr. Mo like he's literally, hello and welcome to a movie phone. Like he's literally did, talking like an automated. Did she misdial or did she try, did she call knowing she was calling Kramer? I think she, I think she misdialed because okay. she's kind of waiting okay. through the whole thing. Okay. You know, waiting for him to finish his spiel. You know, he's doing ads, he's doing sponsors like sponsored by, he mentions Hot 97, which I thought was a cool radio reference. Uh, radio <laughs> station still exists up, up in New York City. Um, you know, he's like, Welcome to Movie Phone, brought to you by Hot 97. Oh, and yeah, and he's like... Mountain High. Yeah, coming this Friday <laughs> to theaters near you. And he does, like, a bit from the trailer. Yeah. you got to get me over that mountain. No! <laughs> which which yeah. I don't even know if that's accurate or not, but it was great. It's, yeah, it's not a real... Mountain High is not a real movie as oh, far okay. as I know. Okay, But in this universe, it stars Susan Sarandon and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. Mountain High. I mean, every, everybody loves the made-up movies in the Seinfeld universe. You know, we're going to get another one in this in this episode. Uh, I did notice, did you, so we get a great shot of Kramer's apartment here, and he's got a lot of pasta sculptures behind yeah, him. Who does. do you think these people... So I, I, because he picks the type of pasta based on the personality of the person, I kind of looked up the pieces, the, the pastas that he uses. So there's four that we see in this shot. The first one, I couldn't identify the type of pasta it was, mm -hmm. but the second one is definitely Rotelli. I used to call them wagon wheels when I was a kid. Mm. And it looks like a woman because it's like a Rotelli face and then like four Rotellis going around as I'd imagine like hair would be. And I was like, is Rotelli Elaine? Like Rotelli Lane? Okay, hear me out. Yep. Elaine is a very well-rounded person. I, I like it. So yeah. Rotelli for Elaine. Rotelli and the E sort of bleeds into Elaine. It's Ro Rotelli Lane. Rotelli Lane. Uh, the next one looked like Rigatoni to me. And I'm like, does he mm. know anyone named Tony? I don't think uh, it's a tube pasta. Um, like kind of a, I, I don't know who that would be. Uh, and the, the so last someone, one. Someone who is like lanky. Um, he's, he's already made one for Jerry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Rigatoni was very tall, as I remember. It looked like yeah. almost like Frankenstein. Hmm. 
I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. And then the last one was definitely radiatory, which is like those wavy cylinders. And I don't okay. know who that would be. Oh, maybe that would be. My guess for that one is David Putty. I don't remember mm. what the, actually the sculpture looked like, but I see the word radiator in there. And I'm like, I bet, you know, because David Putty, we're going to find out, I think, later is a car mechanic. And I, I venture to say maybe he's already made one for for David Putty. Okay. It's a cylinder like you'd find in a car. It's called Radiatory. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with. Interesting. And maybe yeah. he just hasn't seen Putty since he made it to give it to him because w- neither have we. Yeah, yeah. And Elaine probably just didn't want hers. <laughs> like, thank you. I don't want that. Like, I think she would tell him bluntly, I'm not taking that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Elaine recognizes Kramer eventually and goes, Kramer? And he, she's like, what time is Chow Fun playing? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she sort of, I think she like short, short-circuited Kramer when he had to switch back to being Kramer. <laughs> Um, Chow Fun, I got to say, is another good Ugh. title for a movie. <laughs> hey, that one, that one sounds yeah. a little off. It's a little culturally insensitive, probably. It depends on what the movie's about, though. I mean, maybe it is like a, you know, maybe uh, it's about the type of name. dog, the Chow. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it could be. It could be about that, like having fun with dogs that that are Chow specific breeds. You know. <laughs> Or maybe it is like from an Asian nation. You know, maybe it was actually made in Asia by an Asian director and cast. And, and uh, you know, like, what's that name? What's the name of that one? Like Kung Fu Soccer or whatever. Oh, no. What's that Kung Fu Soccer movie? Did you ever see that? No. It's got kind of a name that that you would. Oh, Shaolin Soccer. There you go. That's what it's called. Shaolin okay. Soccer. For a second, um, I thought you were thinking of like Kung Fu Hustle or. <laughs> that's another good example, though. Yeah. Kung Fu Hustle is like a like kind of a comedy made in Asia, right? So I, I'd venture to say maybe Chow Fun is like a, a retitled Jackie Chan movie or something like that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I would totally go see that. Uh, in the locker room at the Physique once again, Ramon has been rehired and Jerry can't find any towels. And what do you know? Uh, you know, now that this guy whose friendship he has uh, re- um, rebuked uh, now won't give him any towels. Meanwhile, Newman runs by and he has like 10 towels in his hands. <laughs> He's like, look, um, they just gave me all these towels. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I love how they nailed the point home. Like, just in case you weren't sure, like, there are towels around. Just Ramon specifically is not giving them to Jerry. Mm-hmm. I love how they hammered that bit home with the, with Newman running through. <laughs> Outside Elaine's apartment, Jerry is explaining uh, just how difficult Ramon is making life for him at the gym. He's making it miserable for him. Uh, Elaine is meeting Susan at the coffee shop, which I find really interesting. They call it the coffee shop and not monks. Like, I'm meeting, them, meeting yeah, her at the coffee shop. that's real yeah. weird. And uh oh, because Jerry is meeting George there, and Elaine is tickled at this prospect uh, because she's been yelled at for killing Independent George. So she's like, "Well, this is going to be interesting." Over at Monks, Kramer is there too, and I noticed all the windows and doors now say Monks Cafe. Is that new? Have I or have I just not noticed that? the The door has always said it. I haven't ever okay. caught it on the windows. Yeah, the windows over by over behind the cash register all say Monk's Cafe on them. I'm like, what in the... Is know, that new and I just noticed mm-hmm. because they called it the coffee shop and not Monk's? I'm not sure. Yeah, I might have to go back and just watch another... I mean, the Monk's is in pretty much all of them. I could just pick one at random and just see if that's new or not because they definitely look new. Uh, George walks in and sees Susan and Elaine and Jerry and Kramer sitting at a booth. And he is 
he's I feel like he's tamping down a rage that is building inside of him (laughs) (laughs) because relationship George has just walked through the door. He thought it was independent (laughs) George, but it's not. Or no, no. He thought uh, independent George was walking in the door and it turns out relationship George, because remember, he thought he was just meeting Jerry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I might have reversed it. But yeah, that's that's definitely what I meant, because he counts. He's like one. Two, three, four. Huh. And he as, notices there's no room at the booth for him. As he gets to Jerry, he like touches Jerry's face <laughs> and then yeah. walks out as he just goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does his typical George loud grunt. Uh, yeah. And then the next shot is of him, him eating alone at Reggie's, which we've seen before. <laughs> uh, Reggie's diner. Back at Physique, Ramon is hassling Jerry while he's swimming laps with the, the pool squeegee like, you know, hitting him with it and stuff jerry starts trying to pull it away from him and pulls ramon into the pool at the same time <laughs> newman is running toward a lap pool and does a cannonball into it without looking and lands on ramon like Scream, who scre- would do this anyway screaming ollie holy oxen free <laughs> yeah i wonder First of all did he do yeah. this just because he noticed that someone had or what he thought was someone had jumped in that being Ramon falling in. And he's like, oh, this is my chance. We're all jumping into the pool. That makes sense. I, I, I like that because otherwise it doesn't make any sense why an adult <laughs> would jump into a lap pool at a gym. Like, it's not free swim. Like, Jerry was running laps or, or swimming laps. <laughs> yeah, but I like that idea that he's like, oh, cool, free swim or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so he cannonballs on top of Ramon. And then we got get kind of a dissolve into neither Jerry nor Newman will do mouth to mouth on Ramon uh, because uh, to save his life. <laughs> and it gets very dark because Jerry's like, he might die. And Newman kind of shrugs like, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, like you can note, you can tell like the water from the pool is mixing with like his beaded sweat as he's getting more and more nervous. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, over to George's. There's no sign of George, and Elaine and Susan have to go to the movie. So uh, they leave a note that they're going to see Chunnel, which I love. That's another great <laughs> new movie title. Let's go see Chunnel. Uh, and I like that Elaine, too, goes like, We went to see. Like, she's writing the note from Susan, mm-hmm. and she double checks, like, Should I write love? She's like, Love? And Susan's like, Yeah. She's like, Love, Susan. That was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> over at the Paragon, someone gave. Ramon mouth-to-mouth and saved his life, Jerry's explaining. And Susan asks, I think, why didn't you give him mouth-to-mouth? And Jerry starts making, like, ew, gross he, faces. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> say anything, but you can just tell he's like, yuck. Ew, germs. On a man's mouth? I'm a man. Men can't do that. Fellas, is it gay to save someone's life? Jerry would say, yes. Yes, it is. Um, and I think Elaine, someone else, well, like, how are you going to show your face around there again? And Jerry's like, oh, we can't. We're, uh, our membership's been revoked. Yeah, Newman, too. No, we can't show our, we can't go anywhere near the place. <laughs> I like how he's just accepted that as like, oh, oh, no, of course not. No, no, they've revoked our membership. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it was the right thing to do, essentially, is what he said. Yeah, pretty much. They're they're in the right here. I'm not going to fight this. Uh, and and it's at that point that Elaine buys the tickets. She's like two adults, one child for channel. <laughs> yeah, for channel. Uh, and George <laughs> finds the note is in apart in his apartment. He calls five 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 Filk, and Kramer is just trying to. He's still trying to do the movie phone voice and pretend he's an automated machine <laughs> and trying to guess the movies by the touchstone. Yeah. This is how you would enter. Like what you know, using your touchstone pad. 
tell me, you know, <laughs> enter the movie that you want to see. Yeah, he, and, he's got he's got the button prompts, but he can't tell what people are entering. Yeah. And I noticed that he kind of just starts in alphabetical order because the first one he says is Agent Zero. And then I don't remember what the second one is, but I think it just starts with a B. And so I think he's just going, he would have gotten to channel eventually, I guess. But instead, like, he's like, why don't you just tell me the movie you want to see? <laughs> <laughs> and George he says channel and then he hangs up before Kramer can give him all of the movie times. He's like, mm-hmm. it's in the main theater at eight 30 and in theater two at eight o'clock or something like that. Which um, I've got, I've got a bone to pick with this scene. It, George is in such a hurry and he had a good idea of where they were at. He's like, I bet they're at the Paragon at 84th and Broadway. They're going yeah. to see channel. Why would you not just head to the Paragon at 84th and Broadway. But no, he called movie phone and dealt with the movie phone bullshit roundabout for like a minute and a half. Yeah, that's true. And then like he hangs up the phone and then runs out the door. So it's not like he's not in a hurry. What is the point of him needing the times? Yeah, like he knows like, oh, they left for the movie. The movie's probably still going on. The only other information that he gets is what theater it's in. He's like, oh, it's in the main theater at 830. Like, that's also information you could have gotten at the theater. Like, oh, what? Can you, hey, excuse me, <laughs> Mr. Usher. Can you tell me what theater channel's playing in? Yeah, and then it, he it's, not gotten, like, it's not like they would have uh, let him in without buying yeah. a ticket. So, yeah, you know what he I mean? still would have had to buy a ticket and he could have bought it for. Well, yeah. He, and when he would have got there, he would have been just as confused because they're like, oh, well, it's playing in two theaters, sir. And then he would have had to just buy a ticket anyway and go into both. Yeah, he wasted so much time by calling Kramer. <laughs> it was completely unnecessary. I mean, I I, I love it for the bit, but yeah, in, I know. in, in yeah. the real world, it makes no sense. The only thing it makes him do is go into the wrong theater first instead of like going into one, checking to see if they're there, and then going into the other yeah. without making as much of a commotion as he will in a second. Um, we get a shot of the theater from the outside. More, gra- We get a lot of great movie references. Malcolm X is playing, The Bodyguard, and Passenger 57. I wonder if all these movies were actually playing at the same time. You could you could, you could, could definitely discern when this B-roll was taken. I'm, I, probably, I may not talk about this, but um, I'm going to see... Uh, I just, just for my own fun, when these movies were playing versus the b-roll uh if it's possible they could have all been taken at the same time i'm just curious for myself um and george is searching what we the audience know is the incorrect theater uh you know starting very quietly but getting louder and louder looking for susan and jerry and elaine meanwhile jerry and elaine are in the other theater of channel and they're talking very loud like who's that guy why'd they kill him i thought he was with them no 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 elaine's like and they're shushed by Susan like would you two mind uh, and Susan's definitely in the right here but Jerry and Elaine give each other eyes like well you know <laughs> they just got shushed by somebody um, how dare they and now George is in the front of the other theater yelling at the top of his lungs standing looking for in, Jerry standing in yeah. front of the screen too and <laughs> yeah. someone even yells out are you sure you have the right theater <laughs> and uh, jo- like He's playing in another theater or whatever <laughs> George finds out, like, in the moment that he finds out he's in the wrong theater, someone just hurls a huge popcorn <laughs> bucket right at his face. That was awesome. That guy was definitely <laughs> the hero of the theater. I mean, that that would have been so great to be on the other side and, and to see someone chuck a bucket of popcorn at George. Uh, so outside, uh, Susan calls Jerry and Elaine out again for talking uh, during the movie, and she doesn't want to go get a bite to eat. Because she's like, all you do is hang out at your apartment or hang out in the coffee shop talking. How, how do you stand it? 
And it's at this point that I'm like, what do you do with your friends, Susan? Like, that's what yeah. that's what friendship is <laughs> going places and hanging out and talking. Yeah. <laughs> like what what else are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to, like, just play like a board game and not talk about anything else other than the game they are currently playing? Yeah, and and also you've been you've been their friend for two days, and you've done two activities. You got to go to the Met for free with yeah. Elaine and see the new exhibit, and you went out to the movies. Like they've done, they they do things, and they talk and hang out. Like, what does she do with it? What does she want them to do? Like, get off your high horse, Susan. Like, <laughs> oh, we should be going having experiences and traveling. Like, what what do you want to do? I, I don't understand what the <laughs> what what would your ideal friendship with these people be? Besides hanging out and talking and going to museums and movies and the coffee shop and restaurants. Uh, and then, Susan, oh. Susan here seems like the type of person who's like, man, there's more to life than like staring at your phone and just like, I don't Bingo. know, not, not doing anything. And then you ask that exact person like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I just want to live like, okay, no, tell me a detailed plan of what you want to do. And they can't yeah. come up with anything. Yeah, they just wanted to feel superior because they, you know, forgot their phone in the car or something. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Susan's mood is Alessia Cara's song here. I've always hated that song because it's about everyone having fun at a party except you because you think you're so much better than everybody else just because they want to drink or they want to smoke or they want to <laughs> like. I, I, have you ever like? I, I hate that song so much. She's like. <laughs> You know, oh, I wish I was with my real friends doing stuff like listening to some music with a message like we usually do. Like, how boring. Oh, my God. God damn. Whenever I hear that song, I'm like, who invited this sad sack, sour puss, like, no fun having, (laughs) like, and people people in the song try to come up to talk to her, and she's like, oh, no, I don't want to be your girlfriend. Like, this guy was just trying to talk to you. Oh, my. Like, every bad cliche about that we're talking about is is in that song. And, and it sickens me every time I hear if If I ever get a chance to drop it, I do. I'm like, oh, thank goodness I don't have to listen to here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but then all three watch George being dragged out ranting by the ushers at the movie theater uh, because he's so paranoid that Jerry and Elaine and Susan just watched him and were laughing at him because they are killing uh, independent George. Uh, the final little epilogue we get is a knock on Kramer's door, and it's the real Mr. Movie Phone who begins threatening him as if he is an automated menu, you know, <laughs> saying, how many seconds before I break this door down and things like that? Do you want to do this the easy way? You know, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he even he's like, um, I know where you live, Cosmo Kramer, apartment <laughs> 5B. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a pretty good little, pretty good little button on the episode, and that's it. Uh, okay, what uh, what do we like for homework this episode? Uh, obviously, like uh, kind of a, like maybe not a deep dive, but just like something on movie phone. I think. Yeah, yeah, a little bit about movie phone, and I believe that's that's all I wrote down. I am really curious if I if when I look at all the movies and their release dates, if there's any possibility that like all six or seven actual real movies that we see we're playing at the same time. Mm, okay. Um, but again, I, I don't know if that's going to be just for me or just, or for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you like visually about this episode for cover art? <sighs> I mean, it's kind of crazy because, and we might dip into this later, but it's called the pool guy, but it's really more about George and his relationship. Uh-huh. So do we need Ramon in the cover art? We don't need him. Um, because yeah. uh, the thing that stuck out to me was, and I know it's very uh, late in the episode. It's literally George getting dragged out of the theater. Yeah, I like that. I'm fine with. Yeah, 
I'm fine with that. Just kind of spoil it, spoiling it with the cover art. I think so. Yeah. 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 That's good because it's got four. Yeah, it's got four great people in it, just staring at him. <laughs> All <laughs> yeah, right. That's good. Uh, so let's uh, let's see if we can come up with a better description. So we had the pool man at Jerry's Health Club wants to be his best friend. Man, I mean that is. It really the the more important thing to the overall plot of the show is George's storyline here. So I hate not, you know, I, I'm fine with erasing everything about Ramon if you want to, or maybe just adding George is concerned when Susan enters his friend group or something like that. Mm, okay, we can do that. Or yeah, George is not results like George is concerned with the results with the uh, not results what's the word I'm looking for with the results of Susan entering his repercussions maybe is that the word I'm looking uh, for consequences yeah something like that but maybe we don't even need that like George is concerned when Susan enters his friend group I don't know I don't hate that okay yeah I, I like that too I'm just Do you want to add it to Ramon we we can yeah all right uh, the pool man at Jerry's Semicolon. health club yeah the pool man at Jerry's health club wants to be his best friend semicolon George is worried about Susan joining his friend group I like it. There we go. All yeah. right. So next week, we've got season seven, episode nine, The Sponge. Original air date, December 7th, 1995. If you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Elaine considers intimacy with her new boyfriend, parenthetical, Scott Patterson. Whoa, what happened to Putty? I don't know. Huh. Um, well, I'm very excited about this episode because when I was 14 years old, and all the way up until I turned 39 years old, <laughs> I still don't know what exactly Elaine is talking about in <laughs> this episode. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to do any pre-homework on it. Um, you can do what you'd like to, Ted, but I, I have a feeling it's going to lead to to homework. Okay. Um, by the way, I starred the pool guy. This episode snuck up on me. Did like, you it was really? Not on my radar. Okay. It was not on my radar as a great episode, but... I laughed all the way through. I loved both the storylines. I feel like it's an important storyline in the in George's uh, overarching plot line through this season, and it, it I, w- I was just so surprised by it because if I if I read about it in TV Guide or just happened to watch it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember this episode. I don't think it's that great, but I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it all the way through. I was like, this is this really it really snuck up on me. Hmm. Okay, I, I didn't um, I didn't love it, but I also didn't hate it. It was kind of middle of the road for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we'll get to uh, the sponge next week. Is that it? That's it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.